It's wonderful to be here this morning and um, to be able to uh, to share God's word. And uh, we're just going to pray, and we're going to get right to work this morning. We've got, uh, I think, a message that fits right in uh, with what uh, what has already uh, been stated and already been done in, in worship. So let's get right to it, and I'm uh, just going to pray and ask God's blessing on what I have to share this morning. So, Father, I thank you for your providence. I thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you, God, that you rule and that you reign and that uh, you are the one that sews everything together. And, God, you take us in spite of our weakness. You take us in spite of our shortcomings and our failings. And, God, you lift us up uh, to the highest place with Jesus. Jesus was the one who took our shame, who took our sin upon himself, became sin for us, and gave us life, gave us uh, life to the full, gave us righteousness. And Lord, this morning we can stand and we can say that we're righteous because of Jesus. We can say that we're holy because of Jesus, not by anything that we've done. And we can say that we've been redeemed and not by any of our efforts. And so Lord, this morning I pray that uh, as I share your word, that it would be your word that comes through. Father, it would be your truth. Would you open up our hearts? Father, would you open up my heart to your word this morning? Would you help me, O oh God, in my life? Amen. Amen. Well, let's get right to it. We're going to, if you're into titles, uh, if you're making notes, this morning we're talking about ordinary people making a difference. And this morning, if you're sitting here and you're one of those who say, you know what, I, was, I responded to that this morning. You know, I feel like sometimes I'm in a desert. Um, you're an ordinary person. And you're typical because we all at some time or another, how many of you in the past year would say, I found myself in the desert? Yeah, see, you're in good company, in good company with ordinary people. So this morning we want to turn to Acts chapter 8 and verses, uh, we're going to start at verse 1, we're going to go to verse 8 and we're going to jump around a little bit in chapter 8. We're going to skip one section of this chapter and we're going to stick with the story of a guy named Philip. And last week we started and... uh, we, we told the uh, story and saw how Stephen as, was raised up as a servant in the local church, um, was an ordinary guy, just like we are ordinary people, did great things for God, and it cost him his life. And uh, he was more interested in the life of Jesus and promoting life in the life of Jesus than he was in promoting himself, and turned the tables on the Sanhedrin and basically put them on trial. And when he did that, it cost him everything. And he was stoned and uh, killed. And we pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 8. And Saul approved of his execution. So there's the tail end of Stephen's story. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is the same Saul who later on, as we know, who later on is miraculously saved by Jesus. Has an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. But right now, He's a murderer. He's someone who goes house to house and some of them were committed to prison, but don't you know, and you'd have to understand that some of them were killed. 
Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. And so Philip, he was scattered just like everybody else. The apostles weren't. They stayed in Jerusalem. But the ordinary people who weren't leading the church in Jerusalem, they were scattered. And Philip was one of them. And here he is. Word would have gone ahead of him. And people would have heard what was going on in Jerusalem. And so I think there was a a measure of faith that was expecting. You know, what's Philip got to say? They showed up. And when the crowds with one accord paid attention to what he's being said, they saw the great things he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was much joy in that city. So things are spreading. We're going to skip over to verse 26. So we're going to skip one section and we're going to move right to 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And when the Spirit said to Philip, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearers. He's silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation where his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water at Philip and the eunuch and he baptized them. In the desert. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all towns until he came to Caesarea. And you'll notice that in our translation of the scripture this morning, we're reading out of the English Standard Version, as Jeremy would say, pause to kneel and genuflect you'll notice there's no verse 37. And some manuscripts include verse 37. And it says this, And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so here's this, here's this Ethiopian. And he becomes a believer. And he goes away rejoicing. Now, without having 
we skipped over a section and we skipped over the story of a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And Joe's going to pick it up next week. But you'll notice that his ending to his response to the gospel is a little different than Simon's. He goes away rejoicing. Now, Philip was one who was involved and committed in the local church. He loved the church. He was called to be a servant. As I said last week, or and I've said many times, and Joe has said it, and Kevin has said it, the local church is the hope of the world. It's a quote from Bill Hybels, but it's the truth. The local church is the, the hope of the world. There's nothing wrong with parachurch ministries. There's nothing wrong with, with, with those things necessarily, but what is going to really affect the world and the communities that we live in is the local church. And the local church will affect the world either for good or for bad. Hopefully it's for good. But Philip was committed to the local church. Everything was great. And all of a sudden, Stephen's killed. And the response is that the church was scattered. And he continued to serve God in his scattering. He could have chosen not to, but he didn't. He chose to continue. You know, there's some parallels to our situation here in Fredericton, although there's no persecution. It's great to worship here this morning, isn't it? I mean, I love it when we worship together. I love worshiping alone. I do it every day. I worship in the car. I worship at work. I worship in my study. It looks different everywhere I go because, let's face it, I would look a little goofy as I, I was at work doing this, walking down the hallway, especially in a middle school of 510 kids and 60 staff. I think that'd be probably my sanity would be questioned. But I worship. But it's, we worship here this morning and it's wonderful. And it's, you know, the fact of the matter is, folks, it's real easy to be a Christian here in this room, isn't it? It's quite easy to be a Christian here. It really is. But what about, what about Monday? What about tomorrow? When we're, in a sense, scattered and we go to our workplace and our schools and we go on vacation where no one knows us. So Acts 8, if you haven't already picked it up, is key as the church through, through scattering and persecution is called to expand and reach a previously unreached people. Namely, those who were Gentile, those who were outside of the family of God forever, basically. And we're called to do the same. We're called to go out into the world. We're called to be scattered We're called to go where basically the gospel hasn't been heard. And I believe that in our history as a church, I believe at this point today, and I'm speaking of right now, I believe that uh, we're at another crossroads for our church. Just as Acts 8 is a crossroads and the church was scattered, I believe that God is getting ready to scatter us. I just felt like this brewing in my heart last night and this morning. I just, felt like, like, I just felt like God was saying, get ready to be scattered. Get ready to be sent out. 
And you can say, oh, well, Gary, we know that. We're going to church plant, and we're into church planting, and that's what our heart's been. But this morning, I just feel like God prophetically is speaking, and he's saying, be ready to be scattered, folks. The scattering is here. Our identity as a church is being prepared for that reason. And yesterday we had our leaders training, and Kevin very ably presented for two and a half hours on things like church polity and governance. You might think. You might think. But the fact remains is that the work that's been done that's now almost complete in getting our foundation laid and putting in the electrical and the plumbing and the insulation inside the walls that you can't see, but you know if it's not there. Right? If you go and turn the light switch on in your house at night and the lights don't come on, you notice. If it's the wintertime in January and the wind is blowing and it's cold in your house, you notice. If you go to flush the toilet and nothing happens and there's no, no water coming out of the faucet, you notice. And in our preparation and gathering together all of our, uh, in, if you will, the dry stuff that we call bylaws and the, and the policies that we put into place, we've done that with a purpose. And God has a purpose in it in getting ready to scatter us. I want you to be excited about that. I want the, the hair on your arms, if you have any, should be standing up. That God is getting ready to move us out. God is saying, you know what? I'm putting the pieces together. And I believe this morning that that's a prophetic word from the Lord for us. That we're ready to scatter now. It's imminent. The pieces have been put into place. Get ready. It's a time to replicate both with respect to the wider aspect of seeking to plant other churches, but also to replicate ourselves in the communities we live in, the professions we engage in, and the studies we take part in. Right? It's true. You know what? We say we're a missional people. We say that we're a people that, that is ready to plant churches and to go out. But you know what? Individually, God wants to replicate you. He wants to replicate you in your weakness. He wants to replicate you in your shortcomings. He just says, you know what? I love it when you're honest with me. It's like Joe said this morning. He said, thank you for your honesty. But you know what? It might as well have been Jesus saying it. Thank you for your honesty. It's like Father says, you know what? Thanks for your honesty. Neil, God is saying, thanks for your honesty. Same thing with you, Aaron. Thank you for your honesty. Like the Father saying that. You're honest. Because it's when you're honest and it's when you're open to the Holy Spirit that He can say, you know what? I can do anything with you. I can do anything. I didn't intend actually for that right now. I had a couple of notes in the kind of, but I just really feel like God is, God is speaking this morning and it's got nothing to do with Gary. But I believe that we need to be uh, really prepared to replicate not just who we are as a body in the other regions of this area, but to be ready to replicate yourself. So first of all, number one, we're called to reach those who are different from us. We're called to reach those who are different from us. Verse 27, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. Fact is, folks, today the demographics have changed. 
The demographics of your workplace have changed. The demographics of the city has changed. In about 10 years' time, Statistics Canada is saying that a full almost 30% of the population of Canada will be basically built of immigrants, people from other nations. Think about that. In 1971, when there was a census done, in 1971, the figure was around 10%. And as our population grows, guess what? It's not growing because we're having more babies. It's growing because there are people coming here. The world is coming here. The world is on our doorstep. And the demographics have changed to the point where people are coming to the city. And they're even coming to small cities like ours, especially ours, because we're a university town. We've got two universities. And would you have thought 25 years ago that you would have seen a multicultural festival in the city of Fredericton? No, you wouldn't have. I was here that time, and many of you were too. But there was a multicultural festival in town from Friday to ends today. You've seen the tents downtown? A lot of people down there, and guess what? Most of them are from other nations. You go to your workplace, it's the same thing. Your workplace has people there that are from other countries. Not only that, we have, there's been a significant cultural shift philosophically when in 1971, when that census was done, this country would have thought itself as a Christian nation. Well, that we know is not true. It wasn't even true then, really. But there was a sense of right and wrong that people would have, even if they didn't follow Jesus particularly, they would have said, well, our laws and so on, are, they've, they've come from, there's biblical standards and the Bible was held in some esteem, but not now. And so we work with not just people from other nations, but we work with people who are, have all kinds of different worldviews from us. I mean, I look at my workplace, and it's the same as your workplace. It's the same as your school. We have people who would proclaim themselves as vehemently atheist. We have people that would say that they're agnostic. They kind of don't really know. And we have other people that are just trying to make it. And they don't really think about any of that stuff. Right? It's true. And so things have moved towards the city. They're multicultural. They're multi-philosophical. And guess what, folks? God has placed us where we are. God has placed you where you are. I was meeting with one of my staff people the other day, and I had to do evaluations for uh, all of my educational assistants. And uh, I sat across from this one person, and um, I said, I just looked at her, and I said, I just want you to know that I really appreciate what you've done this year. You're a real asset to our staff. And I just want to let you know, I really feel like God has you in the place where you should be. And she just looked at me. And she said, I often wonder if, you know, I ask God to put me where I'm supposed to be. I said, well, you're in the place you're supposed to be. Let me tell you, you don't need to pray about that. If there was any, if you needed any encouragement, I want you to know that all year you were where you're supposed to be. God has placed us where we are. We're ordinary, but you know what? The fact is, is that We rub shoulders with all kinds of different people, right? And there are people in this city that are driving taxi who have come to this city from another land and are doctors. There's people working at chapters that are are nuclear scientists back in their home countries. 
There are people studying at the university who are basically royalty in their land. And they come here and guess what? They're rubbing shoulders with you. Ordinary people. Just like Philip. He comes across a chariot and there's, there's a guy in it, an Ethiopian.